Joe Judge is out as head coach in New York. What's next for the Giants? Which teams excelled in yards per play offensively and defensively in the NFL this year? And what does that tell us about some of these playoff teams and an under-the-radar rookie season for a certain quarterback? Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, another coach added to the list of fired NFL coaches. The New York Giants job is now open, both head coach and GM there in New York. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. This episode brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to get the edge over the competition throughout this year's playoffs. Thanks for making us your first listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network and Matt, as we, I'm glad we projected some coach firings yesterday because it took only one more day for another coach to be fired in the NFL, and that's one that we thought would happen. Uh, and indeed, Joe Judge has been fired as head coach of the New York Giants. Wasn't long ago, and I'm not sure who said it, but we're going to roll it back with Daniel Jones and, and Judge and go from there, and we're happy with this thing, and the Giants are going the right direction, even though we're not getting wins. That was the message coming out of New York, and I was very critical of that that doesn't mean judge need to get fired but to think that everything was just okay is insane to me i mean they've become a flat-out terrible organization which is sad considering where they were when we were kids and not that long ago i mean even the eli manning era but they're a bottom tier whatever that is in terms of just organizations and things need to change and Frankly, every step of the way with Judge has been a little odd. You know, I mean, even like his first training camp when he's running everybody and, you know, just seems like he's been trying too hard. And a lot of his messages lately to the media and to the fans are seem like a desperation type of deal. And then you're running quarterback sneaks on third downs and, you know, just pathetic displays on the field lately too. I mean, I never think teams quit, but there's levels of intensity and their levels about as low as it gets. So I have no qualms with this. You know, we had a really good episode yesterday, not really ranking, but analyzing all the openings. And I think we, you know, ended that by saying the top, the ones that were open are kind of hard to rank. You know, you can look at them all a lot of different ways. You know, we like fields and Lawrence, um, but the Giants has to be last, right? Yes, yeah, that's that's kind of the conclusion we came up to yesterday, and uh, after sleeping on it, I feel like it's the same. In odd timing, too, did they not make the... I guess it wasn't that they fired Gettleman that he decided to step down and retire, so maybe that was why the timing was weird about GM, because clearly a new GM was going to want to have a new coach. So with Gettleman gone, maybe they just hadn't finished their meetings and decided what they were doing yet. And then that's why there was the timing was off between Gettleman retiring and them firing Joe Judge as head coach. But it was pretty clear a new GM was going to want to figure out his own guy. And I don't know if Joe Judge had the best resume for uh, for how bad his teams performed. And it's funny, they're... they're 
they're bringing up old uh, news stories about Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick did a sell job for Joe Judge, and there's some conspiracy theories out there that uh, that Belichick purposely is trying to um, dismantle the New York Giants and and sold them a, a bill of goods on Joe Judge because I guess Belichick called them and he said this guy's ready to be a head coach, and he's better than the last three people you hired and to be honest with you maybe neither one of those statements is wrong even looking back on it because it's not like the Giants have had a a long string recently of of great head coaches but I mean yeah you know go back to Coughlin but um yeah it it was really strange and it sometimes it felt like Joe Judge was playing a head coach on TV right right it's a good way of putting it he's an actor so there's another job uh yeah uh, New York media could be tough. Maybe that would be a pull for a big market coach that wants to be in New York. You know, you could see that going either way. But as far as salary cap, roster, um, just overall stability with that organization, uh, I would think that's six out of six so far in those open jobs, uh, not including the the Raiders that might be the seventh. I don't know if you, you know, an interim coach, it's pretty clear they're going to at least interview their own guy before they rehire Rich Passaccia. Uh, to stick around there. So we'll see, I guess we can count it as seven technically open head coaching jobs in the NFL. And I think the New York Giants are at the bottom of that list. I, I agree. Um, super quick, just kind of using the criteria we did yesterday. You have to think ownership culture bad. You know, I mean, Jacksonville bad. I mean, uh, that's the way I would look at it. Quarterback bad. I, I mean, Maybe you bring Daniel Jones back. I don't know what to think about Daniel Jones. Is he going to be in Pittsburgh or Washington or the Winston Mariota train yeah. where he's behind us, you know, a starter somewhere? Or is he going to compete with a rookie? Or who knows? I don't know what to think about Daniel Jones yet. Um, roster, yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, it needs an O line, but there's some things there. Salary cap space, awful. Mm-hmm. Draft, really good. They got two first-round picks, and they're pretty early. So that's kind of nice. And division, yeah, Dallas is scary, and the Eagles are trending up, but it's not the hardest division to get back into. Sort of the opposite scenario of an exiting GM, Gettleman, at least, because Gettleman was the, the never-trade-down guy. He finally does and then retires <laughs> right. and leaves the next GM with the extra first-round pick. I mean, he, he hates extra first-round picks. It's crazy. Um, yeah. But it's kind of the opposite of the Chicago Bears, because the Chicago Bears traded up last year. They don't have a first-round pick, pick this year, but they got a quarterback, or what they think got that got their quarterback. And I, I think mm-hmm. they got their quarterback, and we'll see how that goes. So the Giants have two first-round picks, but no quarterback. The Bears have... Uh, Open GM, open head coach spot, no first round pick, but they got a quarterback. So, and I would probably lean to the Bears on that roster decision, yeah, right? Definitely. Yeah. Feels like the Bears are one year ahead of the Giants. Yes. Yeah. And, you know and a lot I mean? of times it takes two firsts to get that quarterback in the draft, too, if you need to to move up. Um, and we've seen that numerous times. We've seen it with two teams, San Francisco and Buffalo, that are atop of yards per play differential matt uh you you've gotten to work spreadsheet of the year it's spreadsheet season i love (laughs) it let's take a look at some of these playoff teams on uh matt williamson's spreadsheet the first item on his spreadsheet of the 2022 calendar year is yards per play it's a pretty telling one around the nfl uh looking at these teams Yards per play. Do you want to preface this one, Matt? And, and we'll start yep. looking at the couple of top teams, and we'll come back and and really dig into it a little bit deeper here, and look at the defense, then then uh, then take some listener questions. But uh, what is your? And I think yards per play is one of your favorites, right? It's absolutely one of my favorites. I think it's highly indicative 
once you've got a lot of plays to analyze and all these teams have run a thousand plus plays now, the season's in the books, you've played 17 games, that every time you snap the ball, how productive are you on both sides of the ball? I think that really says a lot about how good a football team is. So if we sort this thing first by offense, I mean, the the best in the league, some of these at the tops and bottoms won't shock you. I'm not, I'm not here to shock you. But your Niners are a little surprising to be to be tied with the Bucks as the best offense in the league yards per play. I think that says a lot for them. Absolutely. This is not just a quarterback stat. This is not just a running back stat. This is a coach stat. This is an offensive line stat. This is an entire offense encompassing stat, which I like a lot. And a lot of 49ers offensive stats and Jimmy Garoppolo stats, I look at them like EPA and there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And you look, I was like, oh man, Jimmy Garoppolo ranks here. It's like, ah, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't rank there. Kyle Shanahan ranks there. You know what I mean? Exactly. So there's, there's, <laughs> too, there's yeah. a lot of that that goes into it. And Debo Kyle Shan- helps. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Well, exactly. So just, just using Debo Samuel as an example, Debo Samuel had one of the better uh, yards per receptions in the NFL, 18, over, I think it was 18.2 yards per catch this year. Um, on his 1,400 receiving yards, and he had another, you know, uh, 400 rushing yards. He was 1,800 yard player. He was uh, from scrimmage. He was the third. I think he had third most yardage from scrimmage after Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup in the NFL this year. Okay. But his yards per reception are 18.2. But he had 750 yards after the catch. So essentially, he was taking nine-yard receptions, turning them into 18-yard receptions. Like, that is pretty amazing. And that is sort of Kyle Shanahan's offense. So much short stuff, get the ball out in 2.3, 2.5 seconds, catch and run. George Kittle's great after the catch. Ayuk's good after the catch. Uh, so, and obviously their running game, you know, a rookie Elijah Mitchell, nearly a 1,000-yard rusher as a rookie, 4.7 yards per carry. So that's what we're talking about with the San Francisco offense. It looks so much different than some of these other offenses and, you know, Chargers and Kansas City where you've got a big arm quarterback and you're able to push the ball down the field and and huge uh, long touchdown passes. If there's long touchdown passes, there's a lot of catch and run stuff. So it's, it's amazing that that style of offense is the one that ended up leading the league in yards per play because it's a lot different than all the other high-powered offenses in the league. Maybe one thing I'll do, too, is just who has the most negative plays? Because I bet San Fran is low on the list just because mm-hmm. their their running game is so efficient. So maybe that's something I'll look into this offseason, too. What defense creates the most negative plays? What offense has the most negative plays? So to round out the top here, again, this isn't going to shock anybody. San Francisco and Tampa Bay at the top. Rams and Dallas are at six yards per play. That's really, really good as well. At 5'9", we have Cincy, the Chargers, the Chiefs, Green Bay. And then this one kind of shot, or Green Bay's at 5'8", with Seattle. Seattle's not that bad. Oh, I mean, so, it's all said yeah, Seattle's a completely, we're talking about an outlier in San Francisco. Yes. Seattle is the outlier of outliers. Let's, let's pause there. We'll get to Seattle. Okay. How are they possibly in the top 10 of yards per play with what their offense looked like this year? We'll look at the bottom of the list on offense. We'll look at defense. We'll look at the overall uh, differential and who's on top when you take offense and uh, subtract the defensive yardage out of that and get to some of your Twitter questions next it's the new year so that means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar built bars make it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill 
Best of all, Built Bars contain only one, most Built Bars, they, they vary slightly, but most Built Bars contain only 130 calories, only four grams of net sugar, only four grams of net carbs, and 21 grams of protein. Some have a little bit more protein and maybe 10 more calories. Uh, compare that to a candy bar, which is usually 240 calories and 30 grams of sugar with dozens of net carbs. So you feel satisfied with all that protein, you feel good about yourself, and you feel like you ate something delicious. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. And by the third week of your New Year's resolution, you're thinking, ah, oh, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real delicious chocolate. So go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So 5.8 yards per play for the Seattle Seahawks, Matt. I was really surprised to see Seattle this high on the list because they weren't putting up points this year. Their offense struggled in a lot of ways. But what's amazing is they ran the fewest plays in the NFL, Right. So that's by a wide margin. Yes. By a lot. So if they would they just run more plays, they might have been a lot better this year. Right. I mean, another thing I'm fiddling with is I'm going to look at pace. You know, how fast are you snapping the ball when you have it? You know, I mean, how many plays do you run versus time of possession? That's a new little endeavor for me. This. Yeah. And actually, too. you know, now that we're bringing that up and thinking about it, looking at the Arizona Cardinals, they're in the middle of the league here at 16, 5.6 yards per play. Niners are near the top. The, and Arizona kind of moves a lot faster than, say, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more the, Seattle can be more efficient because they run fewer plays, and that starts to make sense. If they ran more plays, they probably wouldn't be at 5.8 anymore, and that would probably start to drop. And San Francisco doesn't run the most plays either. Uh, they run the ball a lot. You know, they try to... They try to uh, win the time of possession and, and keep their defense fresh and those types of things. And Seattle is even you know, more skewed in that same direction. So I think there's part of that as well. And if you start looking at some of these teams like, okay, you're six yards per play. Did you run a lot of plays too? That's where you start to see a, a team that can really put up some points in, in a really dynamic offense. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's why I'm really interested to see pace. You know, I mean, there, there's an art to playing at the pace that your quarterback offense should. Maybe Seattle is more efficient if they play slow also protects your defense, but then, you know, running 45 plays a game or whatever is just, you're not going to win that way. Um, Seattle shocked me to be this high. I bet if I did this a month ago, they would have been middle of the pack or so. I mean, a lot of long penny runs. Wilson's gotten better at the end. They went out with a bang. Yeah. The 51 point performance in week uh, 18 definitely helped them. Oh yeah. Without question. Um, Bottom of the league. Again, not a lot of shocks here. But, you know, the best in the league are at 6-6-1. Six, six, if you're under 5, you're really bad. Um, the Jets are at 5. The Saints and Bears are at 4-9. Miami and Pittsburgh, 4-8. The Giants, who we just talked about. Houston, 4-7 for those two. I wouldn't have guessed this, but it's well-earned. The Panthers are the worst yeah. at 4-6. They have crumbled. A lot of bad quarterback play in this portion of it, but obviously the one that sticks out like a sore thumb is the playoff team that's down here amongst Jacksonville, oh, New York Jets, Chicago, um, Houston, I mean, Giants. That's crazy. That, that Those are the, the worst teams in the league. Even in this thing too, they're yeah. bottom, and they were a, you know a game away. 
and and they had but but there were it was so clear what was happening there with their defense and their offense and their quarterback situation but Matt the Pittsburgh Steelers 28 pretty bad bad. that is that is unbelievable that I mean and you knew that wasn't great on offense for them this year but uh to be that bad yards per play we'll see where they go on the defensive side here in a minute but um wow that that that's really low for a team that's right now in the playoffs and um and it doesn't bode well for them no um Miami shocked me a little too like I didn't think they had a good offense but I bet their running game just destroyed them. I thought they'd be a little more in the middle of the pack, not and, the bottom. And again, it was you know short passing game, but not so quite much. as big of after the catch stuff as a team like say the 49ers. You know, Waddle was catching ten passes for seventy yards, you know, and stuff like that. A lot of games, and they did have a seven game losing streak. They had a nice streak that makes you forget about how bad they were at the beginning of the year when they were only scoring like three points here and there in some games. Exactly. I mean, so many passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. You know, I mean it. Not so great. Bad offensive line play, no running game, no efficiency, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to note then those two because they're not a terrible team. I mean, in Miami, and boy, that was pretty bad. Now talk D. Let's uh, talk defense. Yeah, who are the best defenses in the league yards per play this year? Well, the best defenses in the league are Carolina, the Saints, New England, your Niners again at only 5.1 yards per play allowed. Then the Browns at only 5.0 yards per play allowed. Those are the best defenses in the league, except for by far the best defense in the league, the Buffalo Bills at 4.6. I mean, almost a whole half yard per play better than any other team in the league. You know, so like, for example, the, the discrepancy from one to two is the same as a discrepancy from 2 to 15. You know, I mean, a massive gap with the Bills leading the pack here. That's pretty amazing. They're, they're, they're the only team under 5, and they're by a lot. Like a point one by yard a when, uh, over the course of the season is actually a lot more than it, than it looks like per play when you're talking about thousands of plays. So uh, the Buffalo Bills defense, yeah, style of play, again, um, pretty – Pretty remarkable there for them. A lot of cold weather teams up here, northeasterny sort of teams, except for Carolina and San Francisco uh, near the top. Tampa Bay, again, one of those teams that's in, in the top yeah, ten of good. both. So uh, Las Vegas, I think, is ninth, both offense and defense. Yeah, Rams, Tampa, they're both you know pretty darn good in both. Uh, we mentioned the Panthers. i got to give them a little shout-out. If I'm going to kill them for being the worst offense, well, they're the third-best defense, too. So... I think it's pretty clear where to put the offseason resources this year. You know, Pittsburgh's down at 19. I expected them to see even higher on the defensive list. They're, they're 5.5 yards per play on defense. It's get gashed on the ground so much this year. A lot of big plays mm. on the ground, a lot of consistent five, six, seven yard runs all season long. So I guess that leads us to the worst in the league. And there's some name, I mean, the Ravens are the worst defense in the league. I mean, I know why the defense got hit really hard by injuries and things, but still, I can't believe those words just fell out of my mouth. That the Baltimore is allowing six yards per play, worst in football. It's pretty amazing that they were as good as they were when you consider this, and not having a quarterback for numerous weeks. That's <laughs> right. Last that's pretty wild. Season. Yeah, six. That's that's a yard and a half per play, worse than Buffalo. We're talking about thousands that. of yards. Thousand plays. Yeah. Unbelievable. Crazy. So the ones are, you know, second worst, no shock there. I mean, we got Houston, we got the Jets, we got the Lions. 
But then we have the Chiefs, mm. and they're one of the only teams that were even Steven. They're 5-9 through the air, or 5-9 on offense, 5-9 on defense. One of the best on one side, one of the worst on the other, and that makes you perfectly even. The one thing, though, for them, and I've studied them like crazy this week because the Steelers are playing them, of course, the first seven games of the year were a total disaster for Kansas City, but the last ten are much, much better. So the Cowboys and the Chiefs, those two teams thought they were locked in, playing really well, both sides of the ball, defense playing good, mm-hmm. offense playing good, pass, uh, you know, not so much the run with the Chiefs, but they don't need it. And then the last week or two kind of worried me about both teams, and you started to see a little bit more of that, and you saw some cracks uh, in both of those teams. And I just more and more I look at this playoffs, and I'm like, man, you know what? Anything, this is going to be a wacky one. I think just about anything can happen here. I don't know necessarily if the Chiefs are going to go down in week one, but um, I think there's some some top teams that are not going to make it and some wildcard teams are going to go for a little bit uh, in this year's playoffs, and I think that'll make for a lot of fun in January. Um, without question. Um, you know, wrap this thing up. I'll do the differential. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is a very simple formula. Again, I am not a statistician. All I do is take offense minus defense, and I get a number. And that, that differential is, you know, you want it to be as high as possible. And considering how good they are on defense, and we know the Bills have a good offense, they're every, I mean, every, they're 1.1 1. 1 in the good side compared to every time the ball is snapped in a Bills game. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And your, your Niners are right behind him, one flat, you know, so those are the only ones in a yard or better discrepancy in their favor. Bodes pretty well. And I mean, a, a quick Buffalo note, if you look at them, all their losses are very close games, and the football outsiders people of the world will tell you that's probably some one-score luck, ba- bad luck, and most almost all their wins are total blowout. So maybe we're sleeping on the Bills. I mean, I, I might put a buck on the Bills to win this whole thing. That's not a bad bet, I don't think, and they've got just as good a chance as anybody. Um yeah, the the volatility in the Bills, which team shows up, but they've proven they can dominate teams. So that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's in the only teams that are over a full point differential for a full yard differential from offense to defense is the the Forty Niners and the, the Bills. Niners. Interesting. Yeah, really shocking. Yeah, I mean, I think this bodes well for the Niners too. I mean, it does. Yeah, it really absolutely. The other ones at the top aren't surprising. The only two that are right around a yard in their favor are Tampa at point nine, the Rams at point eight, and then there's a bunch that are like, you know, point six, point five. The bottom feeders are exactly who you think. I mean, Houston's is Houston's worse than the Bills are good. They're minus one point two. I mean, think about how bad that is. I mean, really, over the course of the year, every time the ball is snapped, you average losing 1.2 yards, you know, I mean, really bad. The Jets are minus 0.9. The Lions are minus 0.7. Of course, all these teams are picking at the top. But then there's the strangest thing of this whole situation is my Steelers are tied with the Lions at minus 0.7, at the <laughs> bottom feeders of the league, right there with Jacksonville and Washington, and they're in the playoffs. Is this the argument for Mike Tomlin for Coach of the Year? He's like one of the few coaches we haven't <laughs> talked about for Coach of the Year that's in the playoffs right now. I mean, 
bad quarterbacks. You know, defense wasn't um, like the like the okay, real quick. The year Ben missed, you know, the Duck Hodges year. The Steelers were one of the of the only teams that ended up exactly zero in this. They were number one in defense and like number thirty one on offense. That's not the case at all. The defense is not holding up that end of the bargain, and the offense stings. How about this? We talked about coach openings and, and not counting the the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll see if that job does become open because they are a top ten in uh, there. I think there were nine offense, nine defensively, and nine in differential, a half yard yeah. on the positive side with their uh, yards per yeah, play differential. Uh, but the only two that aren't in negatives of open jobs right now currently are Denver, who was .1, and Minnesota, who were zero. They were even. Five, okay. 5.7 on offense, giving up 5.7 on defense. So, yeah, maybe that's another uh, statement of those two jobs, how they're, they're close, right quarterback, right coach. Maybe they get over the hump. But uh, also, at the same time, you're potentially uh, just in mediocrity for – for even longer with those two franchises as they have right. been. And it's kind of like, this is kind of what they've been for a while now. Yeah. Those are good points because I think they're both mediocre teams. That's not hundred percent meant as a compliment, but they're not on the bad tier talking about Minnesota and Denver. Um, odd, you know, how the, their future plays out at this point. Last nuggets here though. I mean, you mentioned Vegas at .5 in the plus. I mean, that's tied for sixth. I mean, that's pretty darn good. Phillies at plus five. I mean, these are playoff teams, but they're maybe better seasons than you realize. And then Seattle's at plus four, too. You would have thought they were, you know, maybe a negative type. Of team. Did we talk about Tennessee yet? No. Yeah, because Tennessee, I think Tennessee's one that you can throw out because of how their roster has changed this year. And they ended up on the negative side. Uh, aside from the Steelers, they look amongst the worst as far as playoff teams this year. Uh, their their differential is minus .3 yards per yeah, play. Right. But, I mean, when you factor in, uh, I would love to see the games with Derrick Henry and with A.J. Brown, which they're going to have for the playoffs, how that looks versus the games with not. And I would assume that they're much higher, maybe even closer to the top 10. Yeah, I'm sure if you did this like by game and you looked at their chart, you'd be like, oh, it's really, really high. It's really, really high. They're in the pluses. Then there's a six-week stretch here where they're negative, negative, negative. But they got enough wins in the bank that that didn't hurt them. And then they finished the season probably pretty good and – it's a little miraculous to talk about coach of the year that they end up at the one seed despite that too. Wow. I mean, they're yeah. the, the one seed. They're the one seed. Not only 23. making the playoffs, not only squeezing in the wild card, they are the one seed in the AFC. More on those AFC and NFC playoff games tomorrow. We'll start digging into those playoff matchups in wild card weekend. But next, let's get to some of those listener Twitter questions. A real easy way to... Get a little extra cash in your pocket at the end of the day, especially for those folks who are listening to podcasts and driving in their car a lot. Check out the Get Upside app. Listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first 
tank. I have the app. It's super easy to use. You open up the app, find out which gas stations are participating near you, claim it, go there, fill up your gas tank as you normally would, then guess what? You get cash back on that fill up added directly to your account. It's super easy. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card. Just download the free GetUpside app. Earn yourself a little extra cash back when you get gas and use promo code TOUCHDOWN when you do it. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. Next new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on, all one word, all caps, locked on to get started. Football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, I mean, your favorite casino games from Vegas, I mean, anything you want, really. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Uh, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Matt, let's start with our friend JDS, who is a frequent listener and tweeter into the show. He's got questions about the Houston Texans. What do you think? Davis Mills. Thoughts on Davis Mills. And is he a lock to be the starter? And what do we think about his rookie season that's kind of gone untalked about amongst rookie quarterbacks this year? I'm super impressed. I mean, let's start with the history of Davis Mills. I mean, he was a massive recruit. So there's ability there. I mean, I don't like to reference recruiting a lot, but the fact that everyone thought he was a five-star type quarterback, you can see it when he throws the ball. I mean, he does. he's not an exceptional athlete, but he's not bad. The knock on him was there just wasn't much college tape to go mm. off of. I mean, injuries and whatnot. So besides Mac Jones, I thought he had the best rookie year of any of the quarterbacks. Now, I wouldn't trade him for Lawrence or Fields or any of those guys, but he far exceeded my expectations. And were his circumstances really any better than Lawrence's? You know, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it's not like he was loaded with talent around him or a running game or multiple weapons and always playing from behind and defenses teeing off on him late in games with no threat of a run. And I thought he passed all those tests. So... Going forward, I think there's two questions to answer. Is is it better for the team to maybe win a game or two more next year with Garoppolo and have Mills as the backup and still learning and high-end backup, maybe still future starter? I tend to lean towards no after what I saw from Mills. I think I'd rather play Mills than hand it to a Jimmy and lose, you know, win six games instead of four or whatever. Um, And then the other question is now you have a a whole season of NFL tape. You have to now judge Mills against Pickett and how and all the outcoming quarterbacks. And I'm not suggesting they should take one at the top of the first round, but they could take one at the very top of the second round or trade into the 20s to get one of those guys. And my very, very subject to change on my opinion here, I think he's on the same tier as all those guys. I don't know that any of them are upgrades. Given the circumstances of the Houston Texans, the draft, 
I think I'm with you right there. Uh, if I had to put money on one quarterback starting for the Texans next year, it would absolutely be Davis Mills. Yeah. And yeah. I asked that very question. We did a crossover on Locked On 49ers with the Locked On uh, Texans guys a couple weeks ago, uh, Cody and John. And they both, they, they were adamant because I floated the idea. I was like, what do you think? Maybe a draft pick, you know, um, Nick Casario. Not like for, they don't have other needs. Yeah, former, you know, former Patriots GM that drafted Jimmy G. What do you think? Jimmy G over there in uh, in Houston. And, and they were adamant about it. They said, oh, no way. That makes zero sense. Davis Mills is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been awesome. Uh, he's he's absolutely the starter. Like, they were 100% sold. And I, I had a feeling that would be their angle, but I didn't think they would be quite so adamant about it. It was like, yeah, oh, Davis Mills, period. He's awesome. We love this guy. He's going to be really good. And you look at his numbers, and it was darn near 67% passer. As a rookie, he had a solid for a rookie, 16 touchdown to 10 interception ratio. And when you consider four of those interceptions, almost half of them came in one game against Buffalo in his second career start. I mean, uh, if you take that game out of it, Davis Mills was a 70% passer practically and a 16 to 6 touchdown to interception. Ratio and a 90-plus quarterback rating. That's pretty darn good, man. And, yeah, you're right. Five-star recruit. There's talent there. His college career didn't go great for him. There were times when uh, other quarterbacks played ahead of him. He was injured. Then there was COVID. It just never really got going for him in college. So I do think Davis Mills, as a prospect, plays up ahead of where Houston ultimately drafted him. Yeah, well, yeah, without question. I, I think it's a highly successful draft pick. And – the model, and I'm not saying he's going to turn into one of these guys, but if you could go the next four years as a Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, non-first-round pick, compensation cap hit guy, you could really put some stuff around this player. That's the thing, and there's so many needs on that team, and there's no obvious quarterback to go over the top of Davis Mills, and the veteran quarterbacks aren't going to want to come there anyway, so whether it's a free agent or trading for a guy, you're not going to call up the Seahawks because Russell Wilson's not going to be okay with going to Houston or something like that. You know, Even Jimmy Garoppolo might not want to go there. I'm sure he wants to win if he has any control at all over his landing spot. So yeah, roll with Davis Mills and start building out the rest of that awful roster and then you know next year at this time see if if mills is the guy guy or if not then you can add some more competition they're going to add some competition you know mid-round pick second round pick um uh, you know maybe if they fall in love with the quarterback in the first round there's you know maybe a, another different veteran maybe you just stick with tyrod there's going to be some competition for davis mills i'm not saying hand him the job but right. I, I just think you got to keep building the 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 nuts and bolts of that roster yeah it kind of reminds me of philadelphia to be honest with you like Hertz isn't perfect yeah. either, but he's gotten better, and we have all these first-round picks and resources. Let's do one more year and give the quarterback more, you know, even if that's Thibodeau and, you know, whatever else for the, the Texans. But, you know, give them real NFL talent. And the, and the bottom line is, and look, to, to, let, let's be honest, I don't know, because Mac Jones had that three-interception game early in his career. How much different would it have looked if Davis Mills started every game for the Patriots and Mac Jones started every game for the Texans? You know what I mean? Like, right. when I was watching Davis Mills at the end of the year, he looked comfortable. He was making reads. He Very. was putting the ball where it needed to be, making good throws. I was like, okay, this guy can play. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, his situation was as bad as Wilson's or Lawrence and he didn't look overwhelmed like those guys did. And a good job I'm by glad. David Coley, the the head coach that nobody thought was a great hire when he was hired to to be the the head guy for the Texans after Bill O'Brien, but he 
he did a good job, much like Dan Campbell, like where the, the odds are stacked against you, kept your team together, and ended up being better than expected in, in a lot of weeks. 100%. Yeah, I mean, again, it'd be different if you're picking the top of the draft and it's uh, even a Fields was coming out, let alone a Lawrence. Okay, I'm taking those guys, and sorry, Davis, this is a tough, tough league we're in, and you didn't do anything wrong, but we just love the talent here. I mean, even Lance or Wilson, maybe yeah. I'd take him. But considering the state of this quarterback class, eh, I'm going to hang tight. Right. It's like, we have to draft this guy. That, that player's not there. That player's not there. Right. How about this from Josh? I don't know what your thoughts are in some of these uh, coaching gigs around the NFL, but he's got some. What do you think of these fits, he says, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL? Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator to the Dolphins. Byron Leftwich from Tampa to Jacksonville their former quarterback, uh, Greg Roman from Baltimore to the Bears, Brian Flores to the Vikings as head coach, and Dan Quinn to the Denver Broncos. What are your thoughts there? I'm going to knock out one with Dan Quinn and the Broncos. I think Dan Quinn should get some interviews, and I know he's well-respected around the league, but what's what's the difference going from Vic Fangio to Dan Quinn? What's the point? That's what I would say to that one. Yeah, I, I maybe I like Quinn a little more just because he was a – Failed first-time coach, but not a total disaster, you know, and then you take a step back and learn. But I'm not giving Quinn a hard time. It's like, well, if you hit on Parsons and Diggs and all these guys all of a sudden, yeah, the defense is going to get a lot better. Actually, I feel like that defense is a little more talent-driven than scheme-driven. I would actually sort of shuffle these now that I think about it. So um, our colleague... Uh, um, uh, Kyle Krabs of the host of Locked On Dolphins. He said that yeah. he wants a, a veteran head coach, not a first timer, not a guy that learns on the job head coach for the Miami Dolphins. Maybe Dan Quinn is a better fit for the Dolphins. Let's let's flip Pretty some solid. of these around a little bit. Um, obviously, they need help on offense and to kind of do the offense defense things. And it feels like okay, Dolphins fire a defensive guy, they got to hire an offensive guy. Broncos fired Vic Fangio, they got to hire an offensive guy. Uh, and and similarly, Brian Flores to the Vikings. You know what's that's what I was going to say. How much different is that than than you know f- similar demeanor? You know, like a stern defense of coach what, what what are you really changing there so i maybe just because of, of that i would say let's go offensive guys in denver and in and, and miami and minnesota but um i think brian dable is a good fit for the chicago bears by the way i think he's a good fit just about anywhere especially yeah. young quarterback yeah maybe even miami knows the division i mean i just um, looking at what dable did with and dable wasn't listed here by josh and by the way we don't have a lot of time we gotta go um yeah brian dable's just just all he has to do is walk into an interview and it's the reason he's getting interviewed is say this is what i did for this super raw disaster of a quarterback in josh allen who was super talented i can do this for justin fields and i'd say here's your check here's your job find the best defense coordinator you can maybe Vic Fangio back to Chicago and let's go I mean, that's the that that's the ideal situation for the Bears like you know Jim Harbaugh or Brian Dable I would say I would put one and two there for the Chicago Bears but like that job if if Brian Dable can do that again for one of these other young quarterbacks like that's what you want if you've got that quarterback and he's already got a plan he's already done it I mean that's that's a really good selling point for him yes and the one thing I disagree with you on when we talked about Miami is I would almost 100% go an offensive coach there and try not to even mess with the defensive scheme. You have all those man corners. You know, you have the blitz packages. I would try to keep what I have on defense. 
and go get a day ball or somebody like that to fix Tua and the offense we just talked about that's so bad yards per play. But you're right. I mean, uh, same with Jacksonville, same with Chicago. A guy like Dayball would be really attractive. The one thing I keep hearing is Fangio and Harbaugh are very, very close. Yeah. And that might be a package deal, which sure makes me interested in Harbaugh then. Yes. Oh, oh absolutely. We saw what they did instantly in San Francisco. 2011, they were a collection of people and, and players, and there was talent, but it wasn't yet ready. It wasn't a winner. He walks in, Vic Fangio, Jim Harbaugh, you're in the NFC Championship game. That's that was the it was instant. And they already and I, I look at say the Raiders or the Bears. Those are the perfect fits, I think, for Harbaugh Fangio if they are a package deal. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if that did end up happening. It's not gonna be Jacksonville because Trent Balky is there uh, as the GM and, and we know what happened there. I I don't think yeah, Balky and Harbaugh are fond of each other and, and Harbaugh does grind people around him down to a fine powder just because of his personality. So it's gotta be the right fit there. You gotta be comfortable with that. But big name, you know, feels like something that um, Mark Davis and the Raiders would do as well, just swing for the fences, you know, again on another big name coach uh nathaniel hackett's an interesting name real quick that josh brings up here yeah. for the dolphins uh, offensive coordinator for the packers how much do you put into what nathaniel hackett has done versus you know what lafleur's input is with the offense who's an offensive head coach and, and aaron Rodgers? obviously i don't know if he would fly to the top of my list but one quick note on nathaniel hackett how about this football roster for the 2001 uh, 2002, I think, as well. Early 2000s, UC Davis Aggies football team. I'm currently recording this podcast in Davis, California. Nathaniel Hackett was actually a linebacker on that team, and their quarterback, J.T. O'Sullivan, who was a future oh, wow. NFL player and uh, who has one of the best YouTube channels around, by the way, the QB School, where he breaks down quarterbacks, and uh, it, it's pretty awesome. you got to check that out, the QB School. I've talked to him a couple times. Uh, did we, I think we actually talked to, to him here on this podcast, didn't we, last uh, last year with the, so. with the rookie yeah, quarterbacks so. and, and the draft and stuff? Yeah, he does a great yep. job. But um, I don't know what's in the water down there and over here, actually, in UC Davis, but um, two NFL guys, Nathaniel Hackett and... J.T.O. Sullivan, two very smart offensive minds as well coming out of UC Davis in the early 2000s. Yeah, and quick Hackett note, and I'll wrap it up with one Harbaugh note too. Oh, here's the Harbaugh thing. I know he's close with the Davis family, so Chicago and Vegas would make a lot of sense for Harbaugh. Um, as for Hackett, I think he deserves to be on all these lists, and is this his first run-through of – you know, interview process. And does that mean it's, you know, probably going to happen next year? You kind of almost do that uh, dummy test of, right. you know, going through and interviewing. But Miami and Jacksonville with their quarterbacks and state of their offenses would be really good fits to me for Hackett, who his dad was a really good head coach, a really good coach too. Byron Leftwich to the Jaguars seems like a really good fit just because I yeah. think it's a it's a gettable name and it's a name that the Jaguars community be comfortable with and a guy who deserves a shot probably to be head coach. I like that so one. I've seen that one a lot and it is one I do actually like for the Jaguars. Very different personality, obviously, than Urban Meyer too, which is much needed. Yeah, I, 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 that was my first one. I thought the second they um, moved on for Urban Meyer, I thought Leftwich is the slam dunk here. You know, he's well known down there. Certainly deserves a shot. And so many other names have been thrown out there. We'll see. But, it, it, you know, he's also in the playoffs situation right now. Too. By the way, just before we went on the air, there was a note about uh, Eric Weddle joining the Rams. Let's talk about that tomorrow when we start breaking down uh, some of these football games. When we talk about the Rams wildcard weekend game against the Cardinals. Uh, that's going to be fun. 
when it does come to all of these coach hires, by the way, it's just so hard. I just don't know enough about a lot of the assistants. So that's fascinating mm-hmm. with the interview Sorry. process. And I always wonder how those interviews go and how those teams finally do make those decisions because it's very difficult. And, you, and you're hiring a guy that you've never worked with before. And you, you kind of have a resume in the guy, but you kind of don't know. And you interview him and have dinner and you say, well, here's the keys to our franchise. It's, it's really an amazing process. It is. And I, I try to ignore some of this assistant coach rumors to teams because I know that I don't know because I've been in buildings with assistant coaches. And unless you've done that, you know, these guys don't talk to the media much, you know, you see the results of their position group or their side of the ball, but it's hard for any of us media folks or anyone that isn't really, really in the building to comment on these men as able to lead billion dollar organizations. Good stuff. Thanks for all the questions, everybody, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. Apologies if we did not get to yours. Uh, keep trying, and, and we'll keep the conversation Maybe tomorrow going. Maybe we've got six games to talk about. That's so. true. We have fewer games, so I think we can start to hit some questions, especially if you have questions specifically about certain matchups going on this weekend. Hit us with those. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out your boy Q on Locked On Bets talking about the sporting betting world every single day with analysis from Lee Sterling as well. It's free and available on all platforms just like this one. Be back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.